We come to this place for magic. We come to pop overview, to laugh, to cry, to drink. Because we need that, all of us. That indescribable feeling we get when we hit the play button and go somewhere we've never been before. Sound that I can feel. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Not just entertained, but somehow reborn. Together. Pop Poor Review. We make movie podcasts better. Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No. I am your father. Welcome back, everyone. Have you popped over to beer or poured yourself a glass of wine yet? Because you're listening to Pop Poor Review with Jimmy Chico. Hi. Kelly Gong. Hi. And myself, Matt Chico. We are the movie podcast where we journey through the IMDb Top 250 list. If you don't have a drink, you can try today's inspired drink based off number 15, Star Wars Episode 5, The Empire Strikes Back. It is Drink Me You Will, Tequila, Peach Schnapps, Triple Sec, Sour Apple Pucker, Watermelon Pucker, Midori, Sweet and Sour Mix, and Pineapple Juice. What, Jimmy? I don't like the, that. The name. Drink Me You Will? I'm sorry. Well, then blame George Lucas. That's the Yoda. I, I, I had a little Yoda spin on it. So anyway, number 15, Star Wars, episode five, The Empire Strikes Back, 1980, director Irvin Kirshner, writer Lee Brackett, Lawrence Hayden, and George Lucas, starring Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Billy Dean Williams, Anthony Daniels, Peter Mayhem, Mayhew, sorry, uh, Kenny Barker, Frank Oz, and James Earl Jones, IMDb rating 8.7 out of 10, Rotten Tomato, critics score 95, audience score 97, Letterboxd 4.4 out of 5. Box office to uh, 291.7 million, 1.1 billion adjusted for inflation. Worldwide, 549 million, around 2 billion adjusted for inflation. And that's with like four, four like re releases. Um, also, I thought it was funny that like the budget was only like $23 million. And I was like, oh, if they only no, but, do that now. But to be honest, it was that equals to like 120 to 150 in today's times. Oh, see what see I saw different accounts where it was either the budget was anywhere from 23 to 30 and then I did it at 30 at 30 million. It's I like 120 million. I did yeah, the just like, yeah. It was like 85 to 112 but still that's like a we were talking about that a few episodes ago where we are like Barbie and Oppenheimer did it for 100. Why can't no one else? The creator did it, did it for 80. It. <laughs> that's true. What did what was the most recent Star Wars is? That was like over 200, right? I think yeah. they just shredded money in front of the camera and they were like, <laughs> this is our budget. The Oscars, uh, they won Best Sound. They were nominated for Best Production Design. They were nominated for Best Score, of course. I think everyone is. Uh, and then they won a Special Achievement Oscar for Best Visual Effects. For Shotgun Facts, we are going to talk about how, I think, is it just 4, 5, and 6 that was heavily re-edited? Or was no. like 1, 2, and 3 also re-edited? No, they re-edited they made Yoda in Phantom Menace CGI yes, after yes, the fact. Yes. And it's horrifying. Like, they forgot how to do puppets. It was horrible. It was oh, scary as fuck. Because later, I after the movie, I was like, was it Return of the Jedi that had the weird Yoda or Phantom Menace? And I typed no, it was in, Phantom Menace. I typed in just bad Yoda. And, like, I saw it and they had the comparison. I was like, oh, my God. Like, this one was so good. What what just happens when you're like? Oh, technology's make, better. They were trying to make Yoda younger, and then they added the hair, like the oh, white. Yeah. It's like I was like, it's horrible. It's just, but, it, it's so bad. To be honest, I think the CGI Yoda does look pretty good. Yeah, it's not bad. That that's actually one of the good CGI things in those early prequel movies. Yeah, CGI Yoda definitely works because that puppet was horrifying. Back to what I was saying, like, we're going to, for Shotgun, since all of the first three are on 
the top 250. We'll do it for the first. We'll do it for one, two, uh, four, five, and six, but one, two, and three are not on the top 250. Oh, so we're going to nine. Seven and nine aren't on the top 250, and they weren't heavily re edited yet. Yeah, well, true. When you see all the changes, sometimes you're just like George Lucas. Like, you really like when those prequels came around, you really just. I don't know what you did. You played it. You played too much with your franchise. Well, because I feel like a lot of it too was like he didn't direct this one, and then like I think he came in later and tried to fix it. And I feel like there was just a lot happening with this particular movie, and then like probably he wanted to tinker it, and then he's like, "Well, I'll just tinker out with all of them." And I was just like, "You never probably should go back and tinker your work because I feel like it's just it's a Pandora's box." Yeah, like if you had a director's cut, that's a different story. But yeah. to go back and like mess around with it it's just it's a lot it's a lot to do but yeah so the, the things we're about to read are the changes that they made for this particular movie for empire strikes back uh, i'll start that for hoth real a real seamless one they just added some close-up shots of the wampa that uh the creature that luke uh that captures luke on hoth were inserted in the new edition the emperor's hologram uh, for the appearance, the Emperor was originally portrayed by a masked actress and then a different voice actor. And then in the 2004 edition, they added uh, Ian McDarmid. Is that his name? I, I, McDarmid. McDiarmid. Yeah, uh who played the Emperor in the later films. And they actually act, they changed the lines to make it seem that uh, Vader was unaware of Luke's paternity, despite knowing his last name. And... Um, that I was like, I, I, I remember reading that. I remember watching it. I was like, oh, okay. I guess he did know, like, he was a sky. Like, they, I guess they do bring up Skywalker more than I remember the last time I watched this movie. And, um, and then I was like, oh, no, that was just a change. You know what the thing is, is that, like, the problem with, like, the changes that, like, George Lucas made changes and edited because of all of the outside source, you know, comic yeah. books and, like, the lore, the, like the the cartoons and all that it's just like there's so much outside lore coming in and he was trying to like it's hard like i don't know why he thought it to do this like to go back and try and like change everything you He's know trying to, to make kind it more seamless it. with the prequels and all that stuff i feel like yeah but it's just like no it's like when you have something like this you need to build off what you the original source material you can't just like make shit up and be like no let me go back and tinker it now like 30 years later because yeah. it's just like a lot of people just hate a lot of the changes and i also think that was the biggest issue with the sequel trilogy you know seven eight and nine is that seven yes it was a rehash of a new hope but like you know it had the potential but it's like eight and nine like they didn't utilize all this outside star wars lore that has been created and i think that disappointed a lot of people because it's like what about, you know, Mara Jade, like Luke having a daughter, like not like Luke getting married. Like there's so much Star Wars lore out there and they just didn't use any of it. So, Kelly, do you want to read the two other ones? Boba Fett's dialogue in the film was originally recorded by Jason Wingreen. Subsequently, Attack of the Clones revealed Boba to be a clone of Jango Fett. To reflect this, Tamara Morrison re-recorded the lines for the 2004 edition of the film. In the shot when the Millennium Falcon detaches from the Star Destroyer, Boba Fett's ship, the Slave One, was replaced with a CGI version following the Falcon more closely. In Cloud City, new establishing shots were added to Cloud City, and new shots of Cloud City citizens reacting to Lando's evacuation orders were also added. 
In the 1997 edition, the scene of Luke dropping down the chute to escape Vader was modified to include an audible scream created using the sound of the Emperor screaming as he falls down the shaft in Return of the Jedi. This received criticism and was removed in later releases. That's weird. That's weird. That's a weird edit. Why would you do that? The Boba Fett one bothered me more because I, I literally was like, hold on. Is that Tamara, uh, Tamara Morrison? I was like, no. They, that camp that he was not in it till the new ones i was like and i i was like maybe they maybe they added his lines and then i was like and then i saw his ship and i was like hold on i don't remember this part of the movie i was like i feel like they would have saw him or referenced that in the ship i was like this is so confusing and then i, I saw that it was like a lot of criticisms people are like you ruined this you're ruining this story by adding all these extra clunky details where it's like wait han would have just saw the ship right behind him it's also, like, insanely confusing. I was like, wait, was Ian McDermott really, like, did he really film the original Star Wars? And then it's like, I'm like, their ages don't match. I'm so confused. Like, well, that's what I was wondering, too. Is he, isn't, is he not in Return of the Jedi? He is in Return of the Jedi. That's why I was just like, I, I, get, I start to get, the more edits you do, the more confusing it is. I'm just like, stop. Stop touching no, no, Yeah, exactly. I was just like, wait, wait, what? I was like, I heard the voice, too, and I was like, no. I was like, no. I was like, he's like 40 right now. He would have been a, like a fucking teenager when that came out. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> I know he was Boba Fett in the Mandalorian show, and I'm like, okay, that makes sense that, you know, they tried to, like, work around that, but I was like, he he wasn't he wasn't in the original series. I was like, what? I was like, you start to, like, double second. It's like almost like the Mandela effect. I'm like, wait a second. Did I, did yeah. I remember this wrong? No, yeah, you're right. Now, Jimmy, you want to read the final one? Sure. Following the initial limited theatrical release, Lucas added three exterior shots to the ending to clarify that Lando and Chewbacca are on the Falcon, not the rebel warship that Luke, Leia, and the droids are on. In the 1997 edition, a line of Vader's dialogue was replaced and a shot of his shuttle landing in his Star Destroyer, using stock footage of the second Death Star from Return of the Jedi, was inserted into the secret sequence in which Luke uses the Force to contact Leia. Now, why would you? Why would you use a shot from an, like a like a sequel? I just like that. Just I think I read that that someone actually from the seat from Return of the Jedi is in the shot. Just as like a like barely you can see it, but if you pause it, one of the one of the Imperial people, and I'm like that's just like fucking up your movie. Like stop touching it. No, yeah, he he. The edits have done have not helped the movies in any way shape or form because it, he act he kind of acted like no one understood the original trilogy without these edits and it's like no bitch like everyone understood them and now they're weird they're but no, weird but, e but even in adding you know some other shots like, like if you, if you want to job of the hut was it's just like when I see those scenes, I'm like, this is this is horrible. This is why am I watching this? Well, I can see them changing the characters from puppets to CGI just because they're like, look at this new technology we didn't have back in the 70s and 80s yeah, that we can I liked, now use. I liked puppet Jabba the Hutt. George Lucas kind of went CGI crazy. He did. Well, the whole prequels are, yeah. And yeah. I, I feel like Attack of the Clones like, is the worst. Attack of the Clones like, is hands down. Which the worst. is the one where it has the singing woman with the lips? That's, That's in the Return uh, of the Jedi. But it's Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah. that's it's like the, a, the, green, not... the green, the green one, and it's like thin, and she's like, Ooh, it's like stop, stop, stop. That it literally yeah. looks like it's a shot from a different movie that like somehow like it was like you're like you're watching a pirated version of the movie, and like yeah. something else turned on. Like that's how bad yeah. it looks, or how yes. uneven it feels. 
No, yeah, that's horrible. I say, I think the only upgrade was the CGI Yoda in Phantom Menace. It's the only upgrade. But I agree. these edits have done. I don't mind if you add, like, you know, oh, you know, a new interior, a new exterior shot of Cloud City. Just make it like if you're gonna add it, like you know, other. But they people movies do that when it's in theaters. Like they update the CGI, before, you know, as it's still coming out in a few weeks. But mm. also make it make sense. Like they're saying, the exterior yeah. shots have nothing to do with the exter- other shots they had in the movie. But I feel like when they're upgrading it, when they do re-releases, it's like you know they're just like I forgot the term where they're just like upping it, but they're not. They're not themselves inserting new shots. No, 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 no. Yeah, they're more like making the one they have already look a little better. Yeah, they're remastering it. Yeah, yeah, they remastered it, and so, but here they like inserted new shots, and it's just like, why? Why did we need this? No, yeah, and that's why I'm like, oh, like that doesn't really because I rather that than them doing the ones where like they literally changed Vader's lines. They're changing lines. I'm like, that is like y- you had a good story, like there's no it's a good movie it's a, it's a popular movie like you don't need to change it. no one yeah. said this line sucks the only other movie that i can think of that has done that is across the spider-verse which just came out mm-hmm. whereas the home release is completely different than from the theater release and then apparently different countries got different cuts and it's kind of like why did you do that like like some of like i was confused when i because i bought it and i didn't know they made all these changes and then i was like I could have sworn she said something different. Like I could have sworn something else happened. And then I read, oh yeah, like this is what happened. And I was like, that was perfectly fine in the theatrical version. Like you didn't have to change that. Like sometimes they like make changes and they just think the audience is stupid. And it's like, no, I wasn't stupid. Like I knew what was going on. Like this was completely unnecessary. I feel like the Spider-Verse one was supposed to be because of like multiverse. But I'm like, once again, that just dilutes the movie a little bit because you get confused. You're like, wait, did I not watch the right movie? Like it just exactly. feels different than what I watched and what I loved. Yeah. yeah, and with the it's also just like it's like it was that line was better when she said it this way. Yeah, and now she's saying it this way, and it's like it's not as impactful. So it's kind of like people need to be like super careful about shit like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, Jim. Before we take a quick break, do you mind reading the summary for Empire Strikes Back? The Rebel Alliance has established a hidden base on the icy planet of Hoth where the hope to regroup and plan their next moves against the Empire. Luke Skywalker receives a message from a familiar source, prompting him to seek further guidance in understanding his connection to the Force. Han Solo and Princess Leia's journey takes them on a perilous path as they navigate through a galaxy under the Imperial control. Their actions and decisions will lead to unforeseen consequences that will impact the fate of the Rebellion. Meanwhile, the dark presence of Darth Vader looms as he relentlessly pursues the Rebels while dealing with inner conflicts of his own. Hello, my name is Brucker Nurse, and I want to tell you about my fun horror movie podcast called Autopsy of a Horror Movie. On my show, I like to have fun dissecting out what makes a horror movie scary, what worked for it, what didn't, what types of fears does it play off of. Is it an allegory for any sort of message? I don't know, but let's find out. Also, I like to watch slashers. I'm a big slasher guy, so I'll watch a slasher and do a kill grade for it. I will cover the kills and I will tell you how I would grade it based on shock, method, style points, and a fourth category that is a reflection of the movie. Besides those, I'll have fun with special topic episodes, commentary tracks, interviews with guests, including some Shutter directors, so I just like to have a fun time over here. 
If any of this sounds interesting to you or you just want to come check me out, please head over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere they listen to podcasts and search for Autopsy of a Horror Movie. Also, be sure to find me on Instagram at Brucker Horror, where you get fun updates and some cool little posts that I do. Thanks for listening, and I hope that you get to enjoy the show, and I'll see you on Instagram. Bye. And we're back. Number 15, The Empire Strikes Back. As we always do, do you think it should be on the list? And do you think 15 is a proper number? Kelly, we'll start with you. I definitely think that Empire Strikes Back deserves to be on the list. I haven't seen it in a really long time. And when I was watching it, I was like, I forgot how good this freaking movie is. Um, 15, to be quite honest, I do love Star Wars, but it's a bit high for me. That's pretty high. I could see it, but I could see it in the 100s, like anywhere from the top to the bottom, like between 100 and 200. I don't see it at 15, though. Jimmy? No, I think it deserves to be up in 15. I think it's, it hit, has, it hits, like it's got these cultural moments. You have people who they brought sci fi into the general population. You have people who like were like, ew, sci fi growth. They're like, wait, I need to see the Star Wars. Um, you have filmmakers who saw this when they were kids and have used techniques or this movie as guidance to making their own films. Especially, especially this one. For some reason, I feel like A New Hope, just because it wasn't considered part of the trilogy, they kind of just, it was like beginning, middle, and end. While this one you kind of are just thrown back into it and you care more about the characters. You care more about what's going on. Darth Vader, I feel plays a much bigger role in this one. You find out more backstory, you find out twists and turns and, and all this stuff. And I mean, it does fall into the, you know, your characters are separated throughout the entire thing, but that could be the reason why we have that trope because of this film. Because I really don't remember any movies before that that had that. I have to take back what I just said because Jimmy's right. It de- it definitely deserves way higher because one of the things that uh, when Jimmy was talking, I was thinking about, I was like, shit, Jimmy is right. Because the way that this movie is, is like literally the perfect not a per- you know what? I'm gonna say it. it's a perfect sequel in the sense that trilogies usually have a really difficult time because the second movie is usually like not great it's, it's usually, usually rushed it's usually rushed and it's always just filler v- this movie takes you straight back into the action the storyline is great and it also ends on a dark note which I don't think most sequels before them really ended that way. If there was a trilogy where it was like, it ended where one of the main characters, you didn't know if they were alive or dead or if they were even going to be coming back. And it wasn't a happy ending because nobody won. The bad guys actually got the upper hand. And if not, not since maybe like, like infinity war, is there another sequel in like, kind of like a trilogy type movie where it just it kind of is that way like it's rare like I like the John Wick movies and I think that's a good sequel too but it's like Star Wars is really like a definitive like this is how you should do a sequel in a planned trilogy a planned trilogy 
because if John Wick is not a planned trilogy. So that's what I'm saying. Like John Wick I mean, was if... never a planned trilogy, but that but Star Wars planned trilogy, second movie, bigger impact and great story. Yeah, and I mean, you just said like Infinity War, like the entire MCU is based off of of Star Wars. Yeah, especially yeah. the ending of Infinity War leading into Endgame. But it was Infinity War that was the was the better because remember Age of Ultron. I I still like Age of Ultron, but everyone agreed like that was just like a stepping stone. That was yeah. kind of like a filler type movie. But Star Wars is like that was that's like the blueprint of like that's how you get it done, and done well. See, because at first I was gonna, I was wondering when I was watching this, I was like, oh, is this like the first big sequel to a uh, like a huge movie? But then I realized The Godfather Part Two came out before this, uh, so that's why I was like, I, I, I've never seen The Godfather, so I can't say like how that sequel was. But like this one definitely is in the top of like you know those like top top five or whatever like best sequels to like huge movies too. Because usually, like you're right, they're they're rushed. There, there are exceptions, definitely, like where they're, and those are the ones that always stand out. The ones that are like, wow, this one came just as close, or, or for some people, if not better than the original. And those are the ones people talk about. For me, definitely think it should be on the list. I personally think that just for a few reasons, that this and a new hope should be switched. I'd rather see a new hope at 15 and then Empire Strikes Back at number 29. But like what you're saying all makes sense. Yeah. Cause like it really is. Like I really didn't think that deeply into it until jimmy was talking and i was like trilogy movies specifically a sequel and a trilogy movie those are really hard to pull off when it's not like it's not like harry potter or like hunger games or any of those movies where it's like actually hunger games did it well and then they faltered by splitting the last movie into two movies but that's what i'm saying like it's really hard to get like a sequel in a trilogy perfect in that because it's almost like you you know the good guys have to kind of lose. This is like one of the first, like this is a blueprint. It really is a blueprint because they did it well. Jimmy, let me ask you this. I know you brought up the trope of where everyone's separated for like the sequel. And I know you don't like that at all. How did you feel about it in this movie? I didn't mind it because, I mean, yeah, I don't like it. But I'm trying to think of the last movie where they did that. And I was like, I know you hated Guardians. Guardians. The Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Yeah, because they were all separated, but maybe because, like, nothing was really going on with some of them, but, like, the first, like, Luke was being trained by Yoda. You meet, Because Yoda's not in A New Hope, is he? No. No, not at all. Yeah, so you mean, I mean, you meet, like, the, like, one of the biggest characters in Star Wars lore because of Luke, and, I mean, Leia and Han are on their own journey, kind of diving deep into the you know, perils of the Empire. And also then their relationship. Oh, yeah. And but then eventually you also get the, um, the, um, like, the thing of, like, okay, they're, they eventually come back together because they're at, like, the same place at the same time. Like, they're both, they're all their interests are the same thing, but you don't have, it's just, they all go on their separate paths to get there. Do you think that it's because they that even though they were separated one they were in larger groups separated technically it's only two separate stories side stories that are coming together but the fact that the stories themselves are very strong i think think yeah those are i think just because it's two stories yeah you you're going back and forth like there are some movies where you have like 17 different side stories going on and i'm like what is happening 
Yeah, and they meld together. Like, both sides, both stories that happen within this movie still work with the movie. Like, the ultimate goal of the movie. I also think, because, like, Vader was the through point, he was in both the stories, even if he wasn't physically in the scenes. He was with, you know, he motivated the Luke and the Yoda scenes to then go to get him to where he needed to be at the end. And then he was literally, like, chasing... Han and Leia and Chewbacca and all that and I think if he wasn't in one he was in the other or he was mentioned or that was the reason why they were there or that's the reason why he had to go somewhere I think maybe because also the villain was like throughout a through point which I think also helped because I'm sort of similar sometimes I'm like if the story the stories can sometimes weaken because like you love all of them together that sometimes when yeah. you have them apart the the two halves aren't as good as a whole but this one, I think, well, you know, there might have been moments, I think, with Vader as a whole through everything, it brought it up. And, like, their, both their stories were like, oh, what's happening there? And they didn't they didn't draw it out, be like, 30 minutes have gone by. Let's go see story B. It was like they went back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also think it has it's a testament to the fact that the three leads are just such strong actors in yeah. this movie. And their stories themselves are so strong that it's like, they can carry their own section themselves. Like, for example, in Guardians Volume 2, they all separated, but the problem was is that not all of them can really carry a whole segment themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, look, we love, we all love Drax and Mantis, but they're really just comedy, you know? It wasn't until this third movie where we kind of got into the last movie where we kind of got into the meat of them, but, like, in Guardians 2, it's just kind of like they were throwaway characters. It was like mm-hmm. the main characters are really Yondu, um, Ego, and and um, Star Lord. Everyone else was kind of just like they are important, but they're really not really important to the overall movie. Another reason, actually, I feel like why this is a good sequel too is because like no one, their characters didn't change so drastically that it was like, wait, is this even the same character? They had a new development and a new growth, but still felt the like felt like the same Luke, Leia, Han from the from the first one. Yeah, like it's mm-hmm. not like the Thor movies where it's like he's a different person. Yeah, or even the every Dra- single time Drax is what made me think of that. I'm yeah. like Drax is so different from the first, to the second, and then even from the second to Infinity War Endgame and the third. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. and you know what the thing is, I didn't, I, I always, I never, to be honest, I never really understood why people loved Han Solo so much. Oh, I love and Han Solo. I, I didn't get it. I'll be 100% honest, because I was just like, he's not a fucking Jedi. But then when I was watching this movie, I was like, I cannot take my eyes off of Harrison Ford. Like, his presence and charisma on screen just, like, literally entrapped me. And I was just like, I get it. I totally get it. I was like, I fucking love watching him on screen. I love this character. I love like everything that he's doing right now. Like I couldn't stop. Like he sort of has the Jack Nicholson charisma. Like he he does, but like I was just like, wow, like I get it now. I, I mean, I was thinking the same thing. And I even thought, I'm like, I know he hated these Star Wars movies. But he likes the Indiana Jones one because he kept going back to them. And I'm just like, he is much better as Han Solo than he is Indiana Jones, in my opinion. No, no, and I he is a he is that character is so much better. He plays it so much better because he's kind of like a dick. 
but yeah. like a lovable dick. So you like Indiana Jones, she's just the hero. With Indiana Jones, it's like he's not really flexing any type of acting muscle. He kind of plays like a one note type of character. And I love the Indiana Jones movies. Don't get me wrong. I've seen them all multiple times. But with when it came to Han Solo, I was just like, I kind of get it now. Because it's like he actually shows like kind of different like facets of the character. Like he's softer. He's a little bit more lighthearted. And I was just like, oh, my God, like I literally cannot take my eyes off of him. Well, I think that's why he's in the Carbonite at the end, because they didn't know if he was coming back. So they're like, we have a reason to, like, not see him in but, the next like, one. But, like, now I get why they, like, were, like, begging him to come back. Oh, yeah. It's just, like, it, it, it's, like, weird that it hit me when I watched it now. Because I was, like, I've seen these movies so many times, but it's only now that I'm just, like, holy shit. Like, Harrison Ford is, like, literally so magnetic in this. Like I want him in every single scene. No, it's also the 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 uh the chemistry with uh Carrie insane. Fisher and um it's insane Mark chemistry. Yeah, the I the three of them, their chemistry is like off the charts. Yeah, and I that was another thing. I never really understood the like the Han Leia thing. I was like, Oh yeah, they're a thing. But it's like I guess maybe because I was this is the first time that I actually really watched it closely for like I don't know, like its film value, and I was like their chemistry is insane and then i was also like oh wait they had an affair on the first movie so it makes sense but (laughs) i was just like it's really good and now i understand why people are so obsessed with this couple well yeah i I mean i've always been like a han solo fan i always loved him but like when you said that and you're just like i understood it more i'm like imagine if he like how, how loved he is already imagine if they like he did have like he was a jedi or like he did have a lightsaber fight like i feel like fans would just like it, it eviscerate they just wouldn't exist anymore but see i don't know if i would want him because that's not his character his character is not a jedi i don't think he wants to be a jedi or or well so, i'm saying more of a lightsaber like i feel like a lot of fans i mean me i do like i like to see like the different people just have a lightsaber because it's always cool to have a lightsaber so like in my mind so i'm like, like carrie I, fisher i can see like leia i can see more wanting to wield i mean he does use the lightsaber in this movie for a quick second well to cut open a, a body. That's all. Yeah, but he used the lightsaber. But uh, okay, I'll, I'll give you that. I'm saying more in like a, a fight, like you know how like people like it's, I just feel like for me, anyone with lightsaber, lightsabers are cool. They're you mean like that... it's like a Captain America and Mjolnir? Yeah, moment. it's just like for me, I would love to have like a like a real life lightsaber like that. So like anyone who's holding one, I'm jealous, and I'm just like, oh, that's a cool moment. Like whoever gets to hold a lightsaber, even if they're holding nothing in real life. On the movie, they're holding yeah, something I, I real fucking cool. Yeah, I get what Matt's cool. doing. It's it's just a fanboy. It's a fanboy yeah. fan girl thing. It has no no value, nothing like that. It's just like it just be really fucking cool to see. Yeah, that. it's like exactly. It's like Captain America having both the shield and Mjolnir. Like, yeah, it's a crazy moment that you're not expecting, but like you always wanted but didn't know. It was like one of those things. But yeah, it's just like this really what is like Harrison Ford's fucking movie, and it is like so funny that it's like he hated being on them, and it's like you like destroyed this character like you do realize that like i want you in every single scene like every single scene i was like let's go back i, I want to see what's going like when we got to luke i'm not gonna lie there were a couple times where i was just like i want to fast forward because i want to go back to han solo and leia's story <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do have a question so i was reading a lot of the reviews and a lot of people thought that this movie was more of a filler mil- more of a filler middle movie 
with like a great twist at the end. I don't agree with that. Um, but like I feel like they're getting confused with filler and like that this was more of a character driven story or movie mm-hmm. than like a plot driven story. And that and the director literally said that. He was like he didn't want to do this movie because it was too many special effects and all that. But then he's like, once I was able to kind of like choose character over hardware, like that's when I got interested. Like, do you, do you, I'm assuming you guys don't agree, but do you think this is like a filler movie? No, I think it's more of a character study. No. Yeah. I don't think this is a filler movie at all. And I feel like it's more prominent even now that it's not a filler movie, especially in the age of superheroes that we've had for the last decade or so. Where it's like we've gone through all these trilogies and stuff like that. And we've seen like it's super rare that the second movie like it it just doesn't hit as hard for some of them. It's like weird, but like we're in an age where trilogies are just almost common ground now for like any any big franchise movie. But few it's few and far between that any of them actually pull it off like Star Wars. Yeah. Like, Mm-hmm. I was like, this can't... It's exactly what Jimmy said. He was like, out of all three original trilogy movies, this one has the most, like, cultural impact, to be and honest. I mean, cultural impact, the score. You have at least four different scores that are used mainstream today. You have the opening crawl theme. You have the Luke and Leia... Not Luke and Leia. The uh, Han and Leia love theme. You have the, the Darth Vader Imperial March. And then you just have the the normal like Star Wars theme that they play throughout the movie. The Force the Ford, theme, yeah. The Force theme, and I mean, you go to a Yankees game and they play they play the, the two things as they're introducing the the, the lineup. But that's like, not more this other... movie. That's more of as a whole, just Star Wars. No, but this movie is the first time you hear the Imperial March. It's not in A New Hope. But like, still, like, just like, even like, when you go to Disney. Or, like, anyone, the I love you, I know, that's, like, every fucking where for Star Wars. Like, Leia and Han Solo's interaction. Also, it's John Williams. He's a, I mean, the guy gets, the guy gets nominated for any movie he does. And I can tell you right now, the score, the score, I I was listening to it, and I'm like, this, I hear Harry Potter. Like, he just took, oh yeah, like, I hear Harry Potter, I hear this, I hear that. Like you just you, I mean, it's the same thing. With this, so many people took from from this this music. Well, John Williams is Harry Potter, so he just took from himself. <laughs> no, no, I I know, but I'm saying like he took like I heard like the 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 like the, the part where they always fade away, like do the cut shots. Yeah. Like you guys know that ringing. Yeah. They use that in Harry Potter all the time. Like that's like the base of when um. I can't help it. Whenever something, when they're ever they're like running through the hallways or something like that, like uh, yeah. it's like da, 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 da. I can't, yeah. I can't do it. But it's like something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Matt knows what I'm saying. Like that's a base. Yeah. And it's just like it. That's why it's like this movie itself. It's like I, I, I. It the cultural phenomenon is like insane. For the Empire Strikes Back, and how many times do people do the the "I am your father" shit? Like, come on. That was another Mandela thing that I thought I was freaking out. I was like, I could have swore he said, "Luke, I am your father." And then I was watching it back, and I was like, He's like, no, <laughs> no, I am your father. I was like, I had to rewind. I was like, Ah, uh, did I just did I miss a part? I was like, See, oh, I, no, I always, I always knew that was a Mandela effect, so I know I'm like, it's it, I'm like, it's not Luke, I am your father. It's no, I am your father because yeah. he yeah. says like. 
he's like, you killed my father. He's like, no, I am your father. Duh. Yeah. That's what he says. He said duh. So. Exactly. Say it in the James Earl Jones voice, though. I can't. Duh. Duh. But it's funny that, like, people are just like, oh, this is a filler movie. I'm like, this is, like, the most quoted one out of all, out of the entire original trilogy. It goes Empire Strikes Back, New Hope, Return of the Jedi, I feel like, for quotes. I literally think that when Leia said, I love you, I out loud said, I know, I know. When, yeah. when Han said it. So, yeah. I mean, that you have that, you have Yoda, just being Yoda. I do feel like uh, it's not a filler movie. I don't agree with that at all. I do. The reason why I like the first Star Wars a little better than this one is because I feel like the this one had a little bit of a middle movie with like the ending. What It wasn't like a standalone, you know, you can pluck this one out and watch it and it's like, oh, it's complete like the Dark Knight or something like that. Like Star Wars, yes. This one, it's just a little more open-ended. Across the Spider-Verse did it similarly. Like, it's just like, you know it's a setup to the next one. This one's great. It's a great movie. But like that that ending part kind of gave me that little bit of a, it's a middle movie where like the first Star Wars felt more complete to me. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but I feel like the first Star Wars ended, it was just like celebration. Yay, we're, we're done. And then that was it. But it's also just like they didn't know they were getting a sequel. No, so yeah, they, they thought, yeah. because I was reading, um, because George Lucas didn't want any credits before the, the, the film opened, mm-hmm. like the director or anything. And like, the DGA and the WGA were like for the first one they were like that's fine because this movie's gonna bomb no one's gonna see it and it went on to be this huge success so when he did it the second time they were like absolutely not and they fined him and, and he, he pulled out of he paid the the fine and he paid and he pulled out of the W he's like here's my WGA card and here's my director's bill card I'm and not. his and his AT the one the ATTPA whatever one too he pulled the out M- everything the ATM yeah be- ATMTP. Something like that, yeah. yeah. That's why it's like for me, like it's like um for uh, like the John I I brought up John Wick earlier, but it's like the John Wick movies. They never ever know after they release a movie if there was going to be another one, and then so they kept giving these random endings. So it's kind of like that's it. That's what Star Wars was. They had a happy ending in the first one because everyone thought it was going to bomb and they weren't going to get a sequel. And then it became this phenomenon. Except except for John Wick, they finally gave a definite ending and they're like, sequel? Yeah, exactly. And everyone's like, no. They, they it keep I kept getting critically better, but it's just like every single movie except two and three, like they just like were like, we're not sure, but like here's a little bit. <laughs> no, yeah. I it was it's not like a crazy thing. It's more like it's the same with like Marvel movies where it's just like Sometimes they can't be a full, complete story because it's like they're teasing other things that are coming forward. It doesn't hurt the experience. It's just like I know the ending isn't like a, oh, stay tuned for the next one. It's just like I'm like, okay, I wish there was a little bit of a more defined ending, but it's yeah, not but, like a huge but thing. But I mean, like, 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 let's say you had the, the you know, the, the social media like, like now and this Star Wars came out. And there was an article from Deadline or Variety saying Hans, uh, Harrison Ford dropping out of Star Wars after after um, Empire Strikes Back. And that's how they end him in Carbonite. Like mm-hmm. you people would still be freaking out. They were like, so that that's how it is. And then, you know, maybe they'll they won't tell you if he's coming back. Maybe they'll they will tell you he's coming back to finish out the character arc. But it it, it it's still people would have freaked out and it still ended the way it needed to because they weren't sure if he was coming back. No, I know yeah, it's just it's just a personal line, thing for though. me. That's why they changed the line. Like, it wasn't I love you, I know. 
the original line was that he said something. He's like, don't worry, Leia, I'll be back. And they changed the I know because Harrison Ford was like, I don't want to say that because I might not come back. Yeah, because it was like, always remember that when she said, I love you. Yeah. So, I mean, personally, I love it. I love it when sequels end kind of that way. Mm-hmm. And because I think it works in like when it actually propels the the movie for the next for the next installment, that's when it works. Like Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows, you know, when Voldemort gets the the thing, even though it should have been one movie, but it was too much. Like it just some but like other people they just like falter. It's true that they falter where it's like Ultron. I, I, I have to always bring up that one because that's I think the biggest um biggest franchise movie where it was they really just fucked up in that part where it was like you Ultron did nothing to the world. No, yeah. I mean I, I like those endings too. I just as a whole, when I think about each movie individually, I end up liking usually the first one or something like that, just because you know, Infinity War and Endgame. I love Infinity War, but I like Endgame because it's more of a complete story. That's all. Now, did, what did you think about the twist? It, like, like I, I thought I, I think that's such a great twist because it's one of those ones where it's like it's not so out of the realm where it's like, wait, that doesn't make sense, but you're still like, wait, what? That's crazy. No, no, I, because then you get great. to explore that next in the other movie, hundred percent, and. And especially that pretty much is the entire plot of the prequel trilogies. You yeah. want to see Anakin go bad, and you want to see how the the twin they're born, and and what happens to them, and like where they end up, and why Leia's a princess, and how Luke lives pretty much on a farm. So no, I agree. That, yeah, that set. I mean, that twist set up years and years and billions and billions of dollars worth of of film. But I think you said the right thing. I think you said it, it it's a, a twist that propels the story forward. And like I was trying to think of other twists that they did and like I, I, I and I Googled some like really bad twists that made like no sense and like the Mandarin one came up, Black Widow and Hulk's relationship, and then like the Martha twist and Batman versus Superman, stuff like that. Where it's just like a No, I'm sorry. The Martha twist made me um maybe rethink my 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 life. Because I was like, this whole time, have I not realized that Superman and Batman's mothers were both named Martha? No, yeah, I did. I thought that too. I, I was, was like, like oh, excuse me. God, I, I was like, I didn't. Excuse know that. me. No, that that is a very important. That that is one of the most important twists in comic book <laughs> history. I'm sorry. I don't. The know Martha. I'm I'm sorry. I mean, the way it came about maybe was stupid, but maybe I'm that's like, what, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just like, oh, wait. They were both named Martha. Like it just, yeah. I was like, I didn't. I was like, never... no, what? It never. It was. It never like put two and two together. But you know what? The big thing though is about this with the twist is that it was a twist that you could still go back to the first movie, and it's still like there's no plot holes in it because sometimes they'll add twists in and they're like, what? That that makes no fucking sense with the first movie at all. And like, for example, that's the issue that the MCU is running into now because they keep adding in random shit. And it's like that that doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, what are you talking about? Like, why why is this coming in? Like the I am your father and the way they talked about it in like the first movie where they're like, Veda killed your father and stuff like that. It's like it still holds up. It's still plausible. It makes sense. It's not out of fucking nowhere. Exactly. Like you can't find a plot hole. No. The only plot mm-hmm. hole that I have 
was the cringe factor every time Leia fucking kissed Luke on the lips, and I'm like, please stop. Why is this but, happening? But, All in but this. What, <laughs> but imagine you watch that in in when was the first one come out? 1978, 75, like around that time. 76. I mean, the the audience didn't know that they were brother and they were twins. I know, but it's like the audience had no idea. Yeah, you go back now and you're like, yeah, but they didn't know. I mean, they stopped when they found out. They were like, oh no. (laughs) They stopped. Imagine they kept going. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what the thing is? It was because in this one particular, I was like, they did it twice. They kissed each other on the lips twice. What was the second one? But it was it was closed lips. It was closed lips. It's still, it's still, the first one was obviously an intentional long one. And yeah, like, that Luke I remember. Is like, Luke is like basking in it. And I was like, you should be arrested. And then the second one was when um, they saved Luke. It's mm-hmm. very brief and they don't make it stand out. But when like she's tending to Luke and she has to go talk to someone, she's like, oh, I'll be right back. Oh. She, she is it on the lips on... though? Yeah, it was. It was. Cause yeah, I was like, it was. Wait. I did notice that. I was like, no, she didn't. And then I rewound it twice. And I was like, God damn it they did it again and i was like this is making me i was like twice i was like twice in one movie they do this and it's the same movie where they reveal that they're siblings and i'm like <gasps> well they didn't reveal that they, they didn't outright say they're the brother and sister in this one did they no yeah. they didn't but i guess it's just they did allude to it a lot in this one that i forgot about yeah like when he was like calling out to her he's like leia like through the forest I was like, oh yeah and then when it happened again, I was like, stop, just stop. I was like, this is the one part of the movie that I wish I didn't see. <laughs> the part where they're calling at each other, which I like that scene because it's like, it's just a good foreshadowing for like later. But also at the same time, I'm like, ah, oh, she's force sensitive and all they could do is have her float like Mary, Mary Poppins. Poppins <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, he was set such great breadcrumbs just to like Mary Poppins her in space. It's because she gave up like her they... Jedi teachings. It's not like they had to like randomly like piece together like footage after she had died. Like they they filmed that. Yeah, yeah. They filmed that was in the script and they filmed that. I was I I was seeing the three of them together and like I know like each of the new trilogy was supposed to be like one for each of the legacy character. It just mm-hmm. made me like sad inside to like see her, and like be like, you never got like your second like run at full potential. Yeah. But you know what? she i once again i think that she i think is the most memorable out of the three leads in this movie i mean you still would have people in in any of the star in any of the star wars i mean you still have people who will dress up as princess leia with the 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 the, the buns and you still have people making fun of the 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 uh job of the hut bikini that that she wears and you still like you still have people like Carrie Fisher, I thought it was so enticing as as Leia. Like she was, I feel like she was like the first like kick ass princess feminist person in a uh, an action movie that I can I can think of at that time. They and there probably take was care others. of themselves, right? Yeah, she pretty much was like, "Give me the gun, like just go over there, and I'll deal with this." No, yeah, I like that they made sure of that too. Because I mean, I'll give like I don't know who. Like she didn't, she didn't need rescuing every three seconds. Yeah. Like oh yeah, of course you know she needs help, and she does the same for other people. 
So yeah. well, I think um, the growth too, because they used it as kind of like the trope, you know, of like you know saving the princess in the first one, and then this one, I think they were kind of like shedding and like doing but, the, this was the transfer from like princess to general. I feel, but like, I think start. like even in the first one, she like kind of kicks someone to the side and just says, "Give me the gun," and she deals with it. Well, no, I'm not saying yeah, they, I'm not saying they didn't do that, but I think they they almost used that as their advantage, that trope to like grow that character and like yeah. kind of like take that and then they grow like to make like grow from there i think that's why people love han and leia so much and the fact that they aren't a, the typical couple and the fact that in return of the jedi leia is the one who goes undercover to save han and break him out of the carbonite yeah. like you know usually like she'd be having help and it's like nah she went by herself she was all dressed up undercover she like risked her life she killed a bunch of peeps and it's like that's why people love them so much because it's like it's not one relying on the other. It's yeah, that, like, it's a good pairing. Yeah, people like the darker tone for a Star Wars movie. Did you enjoy the the tone? And also, do you think that's why also Vader was almost also able to shine in this one because it was it kind of lent itself to him just like being ruthless. Well, as you all know, I didn't care much for Rogue One when I saw that movie, but the last. 10 minutes of that, that movie is was one of the best 10 minutes of film that year when you have the darkness and Darth Vader and and Leia I was like this is this is what I came for so yes I like dark films I think that's I like, really so I, I, this I, is oh sorry go I, I don't like physically dark films where I can't see what's going on mm-hmm. but <laughs> I, I like agree. the dark feeling like Harry Potter yeah. I like them better as they get older. Yeah. And my favorite one is Deathly Hallows Part 1 because they're not in the castle. They're like running through like the woods and it's very dark and depressing. And like, uh, are they going to die? Like, they could die. Like, they could have changed from the books and it felt like they could have killed like uh, characters off where they weren't supposed to die. No, yeah. I agree with Jimmy. Like, the darker tone definitely works for it because you know people complain being like oh it's too dark blah blah blah. but it's like it needs that dark tone because they're in the middle of a war it's only going to get darker from there and then it'll get better but the story calls for the dark part of the war where you're in the middle of it the dead middle of it they're not in the beginning of it like they were and they're not at the end of it they're in the fucking they're in the trenches at the moment so it calls for a darker storyline you can't movies that try to keep the same type of like you know, uh, tone, it's like, it. sometimes it just doesn't fit. For example, we have Thor. Thor Ragnarok had to go a tiny bit darker. And then, you know, then we have Thor Love and Thunder where it was like, now it's, the tone is just completely off because it's like, you are not, it's just pure chaos and stuff. Thor like as a character is hurt by his tone because they didn't really know what to yeah. do with him. Well, because when we get to Infinity War and Endgame, Thor is in a Thor is actually in a very dark, depressing yeah. place, despite you know his you know comedy and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, in Thor: Love and Thunder, it's just like we're making fun of the fact that he's lonely. Yeah, you know, and the tone is just off, and it's just kind of like it just doesn't work. And you know, it, this movie needed a darker tone. I think so too, because I think it helped. Like how we were saying, it was like a more character-driven movie. It helped all those stories be more complex, especially with Vader. Like it, may, like having him, because you know Vader's in it. He's not as dark as he is in this one. This one, like I feel like he just like did his Vader thing. 
And then the next one, he's a little more in his redemption kind of stage, standing up to the Emperor and all that stuff. This one, I feel like, is what solidified him as like one of the greatest villains is because the darkness gave him that more the more complexities and be, being able to just be like, choke someone out and then walk away. Like, yeah. I this was my favorite. Vader's probably his character arc was very interesting for me in this one because also at the end he's like he he's he's complex with the whole anakin skywalker thing and the skywalker and luke skywalker and at the end saying like i want to be with you to rule the empire like more of like a father-son thing and yeah i just thought there was a lot more angles to him that they could do in this one that the other ones just because the stories are different can't do yeah it's also like just look at the title it's called the empire strikes back yeah the empire is the bad guys a new hope supposed to be a little bit light lighter because you know hope. New hope yeah and, and then return the of the jedi Empire. they're like yay it's a return of the hero it's like it makes yeah. sense it's like the title itself you should know the type of tone that's going into the movie that's like why i feel like with revenge of the sith you're supposed to be like this is gonna be very dark well is that why they changed the title of return of the jedi because that used to that originally was called revenge of the jedi jedi versus return of the yeah so like it actually wasn't called return of the jedi it was actually called revenge of the jedi and they actually had printed posters and they're super rare to find called revenge of the jedi and it's kind of like i think it would have changed the whole tone of how you viewed that movie had they kept revenge of the jedi over return of the jedi like just even saying it it just sounds it sounds off yeah i also think the darker tone works better for this one too because that whole scene where he's training with Yoda going into like like thinking of the force and going into that like kind of like mind thing that he was in wouldn't have felt would have felt very random if the movie itself wasn't more of a somber tone of like we're not like winning at the moment we need something to like lift us up because like it was like showing that he can go to the dark side and I think that was also why it was darker like showing Luke can very easily be on the darker side like literally yeah yeah definitely but uh, any final thoughts before we move on to the back of the show? No. No? So, that means time for Movie Grid. Okay. Today, we have Top Row, Daniel Craig, 100 million plus box office run, released from 20, 2000 to 2024. Left row, we have, left side, we have Javier Bardem, Christopher, Christoph Waltz, Mads Mikkelsen. Let's oh, begin. God. Javier okay, Bardem, so Daniel Craig. So, that's one of the Bond movies. The Bond movies. But... Javier Bardem is his well, I guess he has the Pirates one, but is Skyfall his only hundred million plus? Or is, Strang- is Stranger Tides hundred plus? Oh yeah. Okay, so should we go Skyfall for this? Wait, Javier Bardem is not strange is not Stranger Tides, it's uh Dead, Dead Man. Dead Man Tell No Tell. Oh, is that yeah. one is that one hundred million though? Yeah. I guess they mean yeah. worldwide, so yeah. I guess that should be fine. Yeah, that's why they usually do it. Yeah, so Skyfall. Oh, oh, ninety-nine. Oh, I thought I thought you put in the wrong one. I was about oh, to. Oh no. Yeah. Um, should we go Dead Man Tales No Tales? Yeah. Because I can't think of anything else he's been in that would have gotten that much. It's definitely not Mother. Thirteen point six. Oh, Little Mermaid probably, but yeah. Um, oh. and then released from two thousand to two thousand twenty-four. The Little Mermaid. Barcelona. No, Jimmy. That's gonna be like everyone's pick. Sixteen point eight. Christoph Waltz, Daniel Craig. Oh, well. Oh, he maybe. But you think No Time to Die would be a better one for a lower score? Yeah, I yeah. think No Time to Die will be lower. 
Mads Mikkelsen, what was the Bond villain? He was a Bond villain. Yeah, uh, Casino Royale. Yeah. Was he Casino Royale? Oh, yeah. yes, he was. Should yeah. we just put that one then? Yeah, just do yeah. it quickly. Okay, Christoph Waltz and 100 million plus. Knives Out? Inglorious Bastards. Oh, not Knives I'm thinking Daniel Craig still. Um, Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, Django. probably. Which one are we thinking? Uh, Inglorious Bastards. I think we used that last week. Uh, released from 2000 to 2024. Do you want to do Django? Oh, The Legend of Tarzan. Okay. Did you know, Did that just go on Netflix? Yeah, that's why. Okay, because I, I see everyone talking about it. it. That's why I watched it. <laughs> legend of, I just saw it. Oh no. Yeah, because it's the legend of Shang Chi. One point three. Mads Mikkelsen, a hundred million plus. Doctor Strange. Yeah, that's a guaranteed one. And then the hunt. Yeah, I was I about like, to say the yeah. hunt. A movie we talked about already on here. Or oh, oh sorry. Know. Never mind, sorry. But we got all of them right. Top ten percent, guys. Top ten percent. And it was very bond heavy. So um moving on. MVP, LVP, most valuable player, least valuable player. Kelly, your most valuable player. I was going gonna, back and forth for this one. I'm gonna say Harrison Ford because I really fucking loved him in this. Jimmy. <laughs> I'm going to say the score. I'll go the character be different. I'll go the character of Han Solo. So me and Kelly would be different. Um, Kelly, your LVP, your least favorite <laughs> player. Uh, probably just the the random exterior shots that George Lucas added in. Jimmy, the incest. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> okay. Fair, fair, fair. Ah. Uh. But to their, they didn't. They didn't know at the time. The little, the little, the little kisses that they gave each other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the little kisses. Uh, I'm like, my... the incest is a little too much. Yeah, they my... touch each other like that. Yeah, don't. don't... <laughs> <laughs> we started a very bold that statement, and then went to incest to little kisses. <laughs> um, mine will be how the the ending kind of felt like a middle movie. Uh, that would be mine. Okay, time for ratings. I'm between an eight point five and a nine. Uh, but depending on the day, it's kind of interchangeable. So today, I'm going to go with an 8.5. But like I said, it's interchangeable. I will give it a 9. I'm going to give it a 10. 9.2. <gasps> oh, we were so close to the IMDb rating, which is 9. I mean, not 9. Oh, we were nowhere near the... Actually, we were above. 8.7 is the IMDb rating. I thought it was 9.7. Uh, no, no, no. Then it would be the number one movie. That's true. On the list. <laughs> As I said that, I was like, that's very high. So, 9.2. Jimmy, do you know the movie for next week? Yes, I do. Can you please give us a, a clue? I'm going to give you three. It's in black and white. It stars an actor that we recently just watched in a movie. For this podcast, not just a random movie I saw. <laughs> okay, good thing to discuss and, and... It's got to do with some insurance fraud. Stay tuned for the next episode where we talk about that movie. See you guys later. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. You can hear us anywhere you listen to podcasts, and we want to hear what you think, so leave us a review. Give us some likes on social media at Pop Review. Click around www.poporreview.com. Become a member of our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash Review for exclusive content and drink recipes. 
And one last thing before you go, make sure to check out the Titan Media Collective and Titan Cast Network. Enjoy the rest of your movie Monday. That was a Titan Cast episode.